Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. This is Neil with Portal to Ascension. How are all you beautiful people doing today, going live with you? Um, have a beautiful interview in store and um, hello, hello. introducing you to a, a new speaker. Let me just stop this real quick. Interview, introducing to a new speaker that you have probably not seen on Portal to Ascension before. You may have seen her once. We did a panel discussion um, a couple of months ago with Sacred Stories, but this is a continuation of the series in which we're basically presenting speakers that are coming out with some amazing books that are really, um, I guess, designed to bring forward the reality of these alternative, these alternative realities and dimensions and bringing forward consciousness to the mainstream. So today I have Anna Maria, and I'm going to introduce you to her in a second. And, um, you know, we're going to talk about her book here. But let me just tell you a little bit about the series and which is what's happening with Sacred Stories. You may have been introduced to Sacred Stories before. I've done a few different videos. Um, I even did a three-part series on sound and vibration in which I was talking about the book that I'm going to be doing, and that's going to come out next year. But Sacred Stories actually has a series going on. They're a full and publishing company, but they have a series going on called the Common Sentience Series. And two months ago, we had Dr. Stephen Farmer, who actually... Um, there's a quote here from him about the book that we're going to be speaking about today. And he spoke on animals and um, connection to the animal kingdom. And today I'm bringing forward the next speaker, the next book in this series, which is on nature featuring Anna Maria Vasquez. And a little bit about the book and then a little bit about Anna Maria. The book Nature describes in detail how we can remember and deeply connect to the beings in the natural world. You'll refer to this book often, enjoying the stories and finding inspiration to dwell more frequently with the world just outside your door. And that is the actual quote from Dr. Stephen Farmer. And Ana Maria Vasquez is a multi-sensory animal and nature intuitive, a shamanic practitioner. As a natural energy reader, she lists the veil between what's occurring in the physical world and the energetic patterns behind it. Through teaching, speaking, and remote sessions, Anna Maria helps others understand spiritual messages coming from nature. So everybody join me in welcoming Anna Maria. Hey, Anna Maria, how are you? Hey, thanks so much, Neil, for having me. It's super exciting. It's so wonderful to bring these messages, right, from, from these other realms into the tangible, into the mainstream. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's great that I can talk to trees and rocks and all of that, but it's more important that everybody listening remembers how they can do it because mm. we're inherently wired for this as humans. We are nature. Yeah. And when it comes to like the animal kingdom, you can like they're alive and moving around. People are aware that, oh yeah, they probably have thoughts. Therefore we can connect to them. But when it comes to nature, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening probably understand they can connect and talk to them, but to have actual tangible downloads and connection to them is something that maybe we had in the past that we really need to reinstate in our future because we need to be in harmony with the planet. Right. Absolutely. And it's interesting when you said that about the animals, right? We all, we all know, okay, now we know, right? When I was growing up, we didn't know that, but we, we know that animals can talk. But I will tell you that two-way conversation between humans and nature, there's almost a little more ease with it than with animals, right? Because hmm. we don't have that Mr. Ed syndrome with a tree because we don't know where the tree's mouth is. So we're not expecting it to open up its mouth and talk to us in English or, or our home native tongue, but yeah. we can lean into the subtle energy some more. So I feel like nature is a beautiful segue into standing in our intuitive channels and understanding those messages that are being delivered to us all the time. Well, yeah, I never thought of it like that. Because um, with animals, they still have emotion, emotional states. And we'll get into this about, you know, do trees and rocks and stones have that too. But when they have, they could be frustrated or angry or traumatized even, and you can be communicating on a different level. I would think that nature is like a harmony that you're connecting to. So completely different types of messages. Well, it's interesting because there still is this individuality, right? In the universe yeah. here, everything is expressing itself uniquely. I've met trees that were just, I mean, what you would think of, right? This overflowing love and harmony. And I've met some cantankerous trees, right? I've been slapped in the ass by a tree. So I, they have personalities. There's a whole spectrum of what's going on with it. And we just have to lean in to those possibilities. And, and that's really right. what, what the book is all about. 
Okay, so I want to take a step back and go into your story and journey that got you here. But since you you're saying a lot of things that I wanted to comment on, so um, what do you say that the trees that kind of have that um, playful Loki type of energy maybe have been traumatized, and or does that not even um, really go into play in regards to if they are harmonious or not? Right. Well, you know it what I found is it's just more individualized, right? Just like humans, right? Like some people have a reason for being the crusty way that they are. And some people, that's just how they're wired. They are just crusty. And so there, there are, in fact, in the book, there's a story about a water source that is very standoffish with a human and is like, stay away because it has been traumatized by the humans before. And, and the human who was telling the story really had to make amends and show up in an authentic way to be trusted. And th that piece we've seen, and then there is just the, the general personality, right? Like I don't wanna overlay our human emotions on them too much, but it's the easiest way for us as humans to notice, right? Like some of the trees got so used to the humans not interacting that when we start interacting, they're a little off put, right? And then Whoa. other trees are very welcoming. Wow. Okay, so let's um, get into your journey. I always love bringing people on Portals Ascension. And part of what really excites me, just knowing how you got to this place in the first, you know, in the first place. So, what is your journey? What was your childhood like? Did you always connect to um, nature, or did that come later? Was there a milestone event in your life? Right, like I would have never ever said I was an animal communicator or a tree talker. I was very connected to the animals and nature. And it was always my deepest heart's desire to be able to talk to animals. Um, I had some mystical experiences, but again, you dismiss them, it's one off. Uh, there was a lot of chaos when I was growing up. And so I would go out to the trees, to nature, to animals, to self-soothe, right? To escape the chaos in the home. And that chaos really set me up to start to learn how to read energy. And everybody listening knows, right? When you gotta listen for what is the, the slam of the car door sound like, or the footsteps coming up the stairs, you start to tune into what's going on to prepare yourself. So flash forward, right? I'm, I'm decades later, and I still wouldn't say that I could talk to them. I still had that connection. I had that deep burning desire. And then I had that life tsunami hit, right? Where the rug gets pulled out from underneath you, everything shatters, seemingly shatters around you. Lost the job, the home, the relationship, had to move in with my dad, right? Like everything that you're like, oh, what was me? I was there. And in the middle of that rubble, I said, well, I've got some options here. I have to rebuild a life. So I'm not doing it the other way. I did what everybody else wanted me to do the first time. And this is where I ended up. So I want a life with more connection. I want to do, I want to step into the possibilities. Either all of these spiritual platitudes are true and real, and there's a real ancient wisdom in there, or it's just a bunch of malarkey designed to make us feel better till we die. So I'm going to take it into my living laboratory and I'm going to test out all of these universal principles and see what happens. And I will tell you, it was a fascinating and quick journey. And I had a teacher who told me, you know, if you're really wanting to connect with that natural world, with the animal world, start with nature. It helps raise your vibration so that you can connect. And so I had a coach that had me, a spiritual teacher, I should say, who had me do an assignment for 30 days where I went out to a tree, the same tree, and I, I would put my hands on the tree. And the first day I went out there, right, I was, I was self-conscious. I was nervous. I thought, man, I've lost it, right? Here I am talking to a tree. If somebody walked up, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even know if I'm touching this tree in an inappropriate place. I don't know. So I put all of that into the tree and I said, you know, I don't know what I'm doing here. But I've been told by people who I trust and believe in an ancient wisdom that we can do this. And so if you can take my little bit of faith in between all my doubt and help me learn how to talk and connect with the, with the animals, I, I would be so grateful. So I did that for the 30 days. And for the first few weeks, really nothing happened, right? I would go out and do it because I said I was going to do it. But there were no unicorns. There were no lightning bolts. There were no talking trees, no animals. You know, I'd look at my dog and she'd just lick herself. And I'd be like, all right, I guess it didn't work yet. And one afternoon, I'm sitting in my living room inside. 
And I asked a question out loud, right? You know, like you're talking to yourself because you need some expert advice and you, you talk out loud. And I heard audibly an answer. And I heard it where I was sitting in my home, but it felt like it was coming from outside, from where the tree was. And I was like, wait a minute, did you just answer me? And I got a yes. I was like, how is this even possible? This is crazy. And before I could even stop myself, right? Like this tree is communicating with me. And I say, this is my humanness, right? This is why I feel like I'm the poster child for if I can do it, anyone can do it. I actually said to the tree, I don't wanna be ungrateful, but I asked to talk to animals. I don't know what to do with a talking tree, right? Like now I'm gonna get put away or something. And the tree said, you know, it's coming. This is part of the process. And, and the same thing that my teachers had told me, it's a recalibration process. It's coming. And I continued with the tree and, and asking it, like I really put the tree through, through the, the ringer, asking it so many questions so I could verify it, right? Because I was worried, right? I'd been through a big life issue. Like, had I lost grip? Had I, you know, lost reality? Mental health is the real thing. And I started asking the tree questions that could be verified. You know, I could go get answers, you know, for what it was telling me. Every time the answers were spot on, even down to, I at the time, I wasn't very good at tree identification. And the tree, I said, well, what kind of tree are you? I knew it was a pine tree, clearly, right? Like I could tell that, but I didn't know what kind. And she said, I'm a red pine. And I thought, okay. And I said, well, what's your name? What can I call you? And she said, Ruby. And I thought, well, that's a little too on the nose. A red pine named Ruby. Okay, now I'm probably making this up. But I got a tree identification thing. I talked to some friends who did know. And they're like, oh yeah, it's totally a red pine. And then one day I noticed she was missing the top of her tree, right? The canopy was broken off. And I asked her, well, what happened? And she just said, huge storm, broke it off. And so I asked my landlord, I said, what happened? Because from his kitchen, it looked like maybe he topped it off, right? So he had a better view and he didn't seem like the kind of person who would do that. But, you know, us humans were kind of like that. And he, when I asked him, he goes, oh my God, it was the craziest thing. It was this weird storm and only her and it snapped the top of her tree off. And I was like, whoa. And sure enough, I want to say within a month to six weeks, I had my first experience with a dog that really wasn't there. I had taken my dogs out to go to the bathroom. They went one direction. I turned around and swore I was going to trip over another dog. And I looked at it and then it vanished. And I was like, what was that about? And I heard, you'll know when the time is right. At this point, I was doing some life coaching stuff. And so I was on a call with a client and all of a sudden I got the tap, ask her about the dog, ask her about the dog. And I thought, oh man, here I am. I must show my crazy. And I said, well, tell me about the little black dog with the white tips on the ears and the white on the chest. And she goes really quiet and she doesn't say anything. And I'm like, uh-oh, I'm a fraud. <laughs> the jig is up. My talking tree fantasy is over. And, and she goes, that's impossible. And she starts crying. And she goes, that dog died 14 years ago. That, that's impossible. I said, well, I don't know what to tell you. He was in my yard last night. <laughs> so we went from there and everything the tree, Ruby the tree told me, came to fruition and it grew right to the point where I am the person who helps connect to animals and nature. Wow. And it's that piece where, again, if I can do it, anyone can do it because we're wired as humans to be able to do this. Mm. We've just forgotten. <laughs> so beautifully said. Well, how long ago was it the one, when this moment when it started progressing up until now? I'm curious to know how much time you've been spending cultivating the skill. Yeah, it's it it went fast forward, right? Like it felt like my whole life, like I was waiting, waiting, waiting. And then even when I started asking, it felt like, gosh, I'm asking, why is nothing happening? But yeah. from the time that it happened till now, it's probably been just under 14 years, maybe yeah. 13 years. So pretty quick. Um, and then it was just like the trajectory was straight up. The more I leaned into it, the more that started coming through. Right, right. The more you trusted in the fact that yes. it's happening, the more yes. you get experiences, you know. Exactly. The yeah. the believing is seeing instead of seeing is believing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, have you ever been to the ex um, exhibit um, Bodies? 
the body's a I tree. Do you, can, do you notice that like the nervous system of the human body looks like a tree? Like it looks like we like we were trees that just stood up and started walking. You know, yeah, it and our DNA, right? Like, like we share like 90 some percent of our DNA with trees. Right. Isn't that insane? And mm -hmm. so we have so much more wiring together than we've ever believed. And these trees, right? Like I'm looking out here right now at, at a, a Ponderosa pine forest and hundreds of years, right? So they've yeah. seen our human activity. They've experienced humans, right? So they know us in a way. Some of us, if we're living in an area where our family grew up, they know our family. They know everything about us. And it's such a source of help and assistance and guidance that we've totally overlooked making nature some kind of backdrop. Right. Yeah, you could even argue that they know us more than ourselves because a lot of them have been here for hundreds of years. <laughs> Yeah, and really some of them thousands out. of years. They yeah, totally, exactly. they're on to us. They have our number for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. And if you believe in the evolution, devolution of consciousness and the cycles, they're probably seeing us at our best and at our worst, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I always think of it as they've taken a station that is longer than our human ones, right? Like we're here maybe a hundred years, right? And yeah. they're here so much longer, but I've talked to trees who will tell me about lifetimes that they were a human. So we start to get rid of this compartmentalization, right? Like my understanding is it doesn't happen all the time, but that it does happen. And it just, it's an individual choice. Right. Cause it makes sense because if infinity, if source wanted to experience itself infinitely, then every experience is valid, including being you a better believe you've been a rock then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I believe that we may have simultaneous incarnations where we're currently living, having multiple vantage points, if you will. Absolutely. And connecting with a tree, right? Like they're like these antennas. And I, I'm, I'm partial to trees, right? Because it's the first one that talked to me. But whether you're connecting with a plant, with a rock, with a landscape, a mountain, a river, you could connect in there and ask some questions about that and even experience those parallel timelines. It, it's really, it's up to you. It's like a choose your own adventure story. You get mm -hmm. to go as deep as you want. How far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? Yeah, that's so beautiful. So let's let's take a, uh, a moment here. And do you have your book with you so we can just tell everybody that? Yep, there we go. All right. So um, we are talking about the Common Sentience series, everyone. All of you just joined us. And this is a series with sacred stories in which I believe this is the second book being launched in the series, right? The first this one. This is the third one. We had medita animals, meditation, and then this oh. is the third one yep. coming out around spring equinox, right? Like what an honoring to the natural realm because mm. just yesterday, the earth herself gave out very specific instructions to all living beings about this new season that we're entering in. And it's a potent time to connect because we're humans, we're nature, but we are sequestered away in these synthetic environments and we've forgotten. We've just yeah. simply forgotten. Exactly. Like we've created, we've created, um, Buildings, socks, shoes, cars, carpets, we're so disconnected from the natural frequency of Earth. And you can actually see from the Industrial Revolution up until now that sicknesses became exponential, sicknesses that were never on the planet. And, you know, the research of grounding definitely shows that it's because we, um, we are so disconnected from the natural vibration of the Earth that keeps us in a harmonious state. You know, so the solutions are easy. Getting seven plus billion people to do it might be a challenge. <laughs> right, exactly. And and the waves, you know this with all of your work with sound, all of the artificial uh, waves that we've created that act as scram like neuro scramblers for us that makes the, uh, the messages feel a little more staticky, right? Like we don't have the station turned, dialed in right from, you know, old school tuning in the station and but but we can move past that and we the more that we do it it's like building a muscle and the clearer those messages can come in it, it's it's phenomenal right and you know I, I just uh completed I, I do a certification course each year in in intuitive energy tracking and connecting with animals and the students that came out are like it's unbelievable. I can't believe that you can learn how to do this. And I'm like, you're not learning, you're remembering. That's the difference. You already knew how to do it, 
but this life makes us forget for our own survival, right? Like we got to worry about other things. And so it's just a remembering process. And that's, that's the beauty of it all that we're, we're remembering. Um, and we have, it's basically uncharted territory because we don't remember, you know? So it's like a, it's a huge adventure of unveiling the truth of who we are and the limitless possibilities, right? Of the human body and what we can do, what we can connect with. So, okay. So again, everybody, we're talking about the book and the link is in the description and it's also in the chat area on YouTube. If you're on the podcast, it's also in the description there. Go ahead and check it out. It's the third in the series. Many other books are coming out. I think my book's the last one or one to one of the last ones, which won't be till next year. So it's like a two year project of epicness of bringing consciousness to the mainstream. And uh, we're going to get into a few stories in a bit of some people that have shared their experiences here. But let's first I want to ask you this. So you say in the book that we are nature. I just want to get your you know, perspective on what that really means to you. Well, that piece where we're not separate from nature, we are nature. We, you know, biologically, we're another animal. We're just a different classification than from a wolf or a bear. And same thing with from a tree, a plant, again, even a geological source like a mountain or a cliff face, there is life force energy that is running through all of us, right? It's not just the humans, it's not just the animals, but it is the trees, the plants, the, the soil herself is a conglomeration of life force energy that is moving through. And when we remember that, that alone, right? That awareness starts to spark other awarenesses. And it's not even like, you know, oh, you know, hurry up and sign up with me so you can learn this. You can learn directly from nature, right? Like some of my best teachers, of course, have been a tree, uh, have been rocks where they taught me. In fact, the trees took me under their tutelage for two years. And I'm a big reader, right? Like I'm always reading everything. And let me see how this physics article relates to what I know about energy and, and all of these pieces. But they would not let me read anything. They gave me very specific instructions and they would take me through different experiential exercises to teach me things, right? And when I came out the other side of it, I realized that when I cross-referenced it with even what some progressive uh, biologists were saying, it was the same thing, but on another level, right? And this opportunity where we can learn directly from nature. We don't that's the beauty. We don't need the guru anymore. We, we can open ourselves up and receive that and we can test it, right? It's not just to let our fantastical side run free, but it is to test, right? The messages coming from the natural realm, from those high vibrational sources are always high vibrational. They would never say anything low vibrational. They would never direct you to harm yourself or someone else, even in some twisted convoluted way. And so we can create our own litmus test of truth and what is what resonates for us as we're moving forward. So whether you need guidance in your life for opening up to these things or everyday guidance, right? Like, should I take this job? Should I partner with this person? Should I, you know, there's all of these pieces that when we get still and connect with nature, we've got this depth of listening and wisdom and guidance that comes through that typically in our everyday life, the fast forwardness of it, we miss, or we simply dismiss the messages mm -hmm. coming in. Because like you said earlier, they're simple. It's not always easy, but it's always simple. Right, right. So how does the mystical take form and how does nature communicate with us? Is it feelings, actual words, or is it everything? Well, that's what's so beautiful, right? Like we are these multi-sensory beings and the whole first section of the book, right? The book's broken up into three sections. The whole first section is about the mystical in nature, right? Like everybody already knows what a tree and a rock and a lake is, but how does the mystical take shape in that? What, how is, how does the energy flow? And then how does it talk to us, right? Again, I said that rock doesn't have a mouth, that cliff wall doesn't have a mouth. So how, how does it talk to us? How do we move from one-way communication where we're just, you know, in gratitude for the beauty or whatever into receiving it? 
Well, this is where we learn to tune into the subtle frequencies, right? It's all telepathic. And that's how it is with the animals too. It's all telepathic. And how, which of your channels are you most um, predisposed to use, right? Like, do you see pictures or images? Do you hear something either in the physical or in your mind's ear? Do you feel, right, like a sensation, an emotion, or is it a knowingness that just drops in where, where you're like, I don't even know where that came from. And the more that we start to tune into those subtle energies, the more they, they drop very short, concise bits of information, right? And I've worked with it so long that the little bits that drop in, I can fill it in, right, and, and start to share it. So when you first do it, it is a little slower. It's like driving a car, right? When you first start driving a car, like everything has to be perfect. There can be no noise. The seat has to be adjusted, right? The mirrors have to be right before you even move, you know, then flash forward to 10 years down the road, you're doing all that while you're driving down the road. <clears throat> so there is this learning curve. So it feels steep at first, but the more we remember and the more we trust and lean in, those subtle energies start to really, they start to trust us is really what's happening mm -hmm. and more is revealed. Yes, you know, a, a thing I like to say is a 100% intention with no doubt is really what like it takes to completely own something so that it can actually take you to the next level and become an exponential experience. And definitely when it comes to trees, if you're uh, and rocks and rivers or whatever, if you're going there and you're like, well, is this working? I would think that maybe your own doubt could actually block the frequency of you receiving that. Do you, do you agree with that? It can, it can block it. But what I've learned is authenticity is huge, mm. right? Like I told that tree, I don't even know that this is going to work. This that's seems kind of yeah. silly to me, but we own it. And that's, that's true with anything. When we're trying to manifest anything, we have to be honest. We can't just gloss over everything, whitewash over it, love and light it. There's a lot of power there, but those emotions that come up aren't to stop us, but rather to be healed so that we can lean in. So I always start with, this is what's up for me, right? Like my sessions with nature are very much like if you and I were sitting down having, you know, tea or something, I'm like, this is what's up for me. And this is how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm calling in instead, because this is my truth, right? This is my real truth. This is all the other stuff. This is the doubt, but we got to own it. We got to stop pretending, right? Like we do want to build the muscle so that we start to lean in on faith. But when we have the doubt, we need to own it and be honest about it. Cause it's all, it's just old mm. stuff coming up for healing. Yeah, and yeah, instead yeah. we try and, you know, push it down, keep a lid on it. And then we end up playing cosmic whack-a-mole, right? And no offense to moles and I would never whack a mole, but that game, right? Like it's here and then it pops up somewhere else. And that's all we're doing energetically if we're not being authentic and owning our stuff. That's so beautifully said. I mean, that actually was life-changing what you just said right there for me. It really is about, it's not even about not having the doubts, being honest about it and being vulnerable, like completely authentic and saying, well, this is why I feel like this, you know? Uh, this is my experience of why I feel like it and bringing it to the table and then working through that rather than just ignoring that it exists in the first place. Absolutely, right? Like I, I still have doubts I'm, because I'm human. This embodiment, this density, We'll bring that up, but I'll tell you, I have a very different relationship with doubt now right. than I did a dozen years ago. And my mantra is doubt your doubt, right? When my doubt comes up, I'm like, oh, I know you. I'm not going to invite you in and have a beer with you, right? Like I'm going to love on you. I'm going to bring some healing to that space. And then I'm going to move on to the next thing because mm -hmm. it's just, I mean, it was same thing with the book, right? I, I knew that there was a book that wanted to come through, but there's a million doubts like, oh, who gets a book deal anymore, right? Like, mm -hmm. well, what are the odds of that? And me out of all the other people that are amazing, prolific writers. And then to have, you know, get the call one day from Sacred Stories and saying, hey, we'd really like to feature you. And of course, you're like, me? Are they talking to me? <laughs> you know, and the trees are like, yeah, they're talking to you. We set it up. <laughs> wow. So I'm curious, I've always been curious about how we understood what to eat and what not to eat, you know, what's poisonous on earth and what isn't. So would you think that we maybe communicated with these plants and trees in order to figure out, you know, what is good for us and what isn't? 
I believe that that happened as well as the communication with the animals and talking to them about what they ate, right? There was definitely, right, the very first beings had some trial and error and some stuff, but they also, I believe, had that deeper connection and would trust the things that came in through the dream time, the uh, pieces that came in, right, like that little subtle nudge. That's the thing. It's so subtle and it's so quick. It's within the first 20 seconds that something drops in and what we do is we engage our thinking mind and then then it's over right if we lean in and open our heart and take a few more deep breaths right engaging life force energy in an intentional way through the breath we can then activate more information so i believe it was uh, part observation part communication okay so that connects me to this other question about, you know, so yes, we can tap into the frequency and experience multisensory beings that we are connect to nature. What about with psychedelic plants that communicate with us when we ingest them and we're getting all this awareness about ourselves, but it really is the spirit of the plant. So maybe that could have taught us about some of these things as well. Because it's Absolutely. probably those things. But what's your what's your whole take on psychedelics and communication? Absolutely. I feel like, um, I feel like you don't have to do it. So if anybody is like, ah, psychedelics, right? Like just say no or whatever. It's fine. You can absolutely do this journey without that. Um, but there is this aspect where the plants themselves are helping us. And if anybody has worked with psychedelics before, they know, right? Like the barriers are removed. There's this expansion, this under, this inherent understanding of the interconnectedness, right? Like when you feel the whole earth move and breathe with you at the same time, and it starts to reveal, there's revealings. And it's very, to me, it's very similar to the dream time, right? When our conscious mind is sleeping. And so the spirit world, the divine energy, the divine intelligence can go word in edgewise. And I feel like that's exactly what's happening with these different sacred plants. And to me, it's not about having an up and out experience, right? Like to get away from things. That's a very different intention than entering into an honorable relationship and saying, you know, I'm open. I want to learn, um, you know, the, I have questions. I, I want to remember really. And to do that intentionally is very different than folks who who work with those plants and, and even abuse them in just simply a recreational kind of way. Again, it's to escape rather than to go in deeper. And all our intention, that's our superpower. That's what navigates and regulates all of this. So I believe that these, I mean, even you look at cannabis, we have a system that is designed to work. You know, our endocannabinoid system is designed to work and communicate with that plant. Any being, you know, animal, human that has a backbone has an endocannabinoid system and that plant interacts with it and it helps create these connections that brings balance you know to your mind and your body so again we've demonized so many aspects of the natural world that are there for our benefit on so many different levels and the sacred ancient teachers have always talked about them mm -hmm, exactly you know um i want to ask you some examples for before we get to other people's examples but specifically about certain, you know, nature elements. Um, but I wanted to definitely emphasize what you said earlier about the age of the self-guru, you know, it's kind of, um, the age of the guru is over, it's now, and that to me represents the age of the self-guru, which is when I woke up in 2001 at age 18, that was pretty much the first text I found that we're getting to a level where our consciousness um, can basically download this information where we don't need avatars to remind us because we're at this awakening moment right now. So neither here or there that you can speak on that for a second, but I just wanted to emphasize that again, because that part really resonated with me. It's so true. And, you know, we have, we have so much healing to do as a species. Uh, the indigenous folks, you know, I've studied with them. I've, I've lived with them. We've got, I've got indigenous Mayan ancestry in my family. And it's been so frustrating for me over the years working with different uh, medicine people when they wouldn't share information outside or even, you know, like having to say, okay, I'm not going to share this or that outside of this circle. Uh, and, and I'd get so frustrated because I'm like, humanity needs to remember this, but we have to remember what got 
those folks to that point of not wanting to share was it was almost eradicated in every single tribe around the world because it didn't align with the bigger global agenda. And so the secretiveness saved it and, and, and preserved it. However, we're at a point on the planet, if, if the humans don't remember, if we don't, we don't have access to these sacred teachings, we're in a world of hurt and we're going to change our experience here very quickly uh, and have to you know experience this somewhere else so i've seen a softening among uh, the indigenous leaders as well about sharing it with appropriately with people who have an honor within them to use the information appropriately mm -hmm. as well so there's this time where the secrets are starting to fade too and we can have more openness and, and hopefully more of us would stand and be guardians of this sacred information and, and these sacred teachings. Oh yeah, 100% agree. And if you look at ancient texts, because I'm huge into the historical component, there's a lot of um, ancient um, tribes that had given information and the shaman or they had to pass it down from generation to generation. And there's some prophecies around the world that it's not um, when humanity's ready to basically give it back to humanity. But a lot of them have kind of just gone into this whole element of humanity's not ready. Look at all the chaos or they don't even have that story. They just think that they were keepers of the secret for a long time. Um, a great example is Egypt with the Egyptian mystery schools and how so many things were hidden. And then also Buddha, right? Buddha had the Vipassana meditation. His technique was taken all over the world. It was cultivated from teacher to student in the Burmese mountains for 2,500 years. And then there was actually a doctrine from Buddha that in 2,500 years, it needs to be re-released to humanity. And that's when the Vipassana meditation centers all became exactly almost 2,501 years after the prophecy, right? So. I agree with you. Like it's now time for us to bring it back, but we see a lot of chaos in the world. So I understand that indigenous communities could kind of be like standoffish, like, well, what are they going to do with it? Right. But ultimately I feel it's inevitable. We're shifting in consciousness. We just need to go through the growing pains as we do that. Absolutely. And I think even examples in modern time, right? Like I think back in my life, my grandparents from Guatemala, when I was younger and, you know, I was sick or something was going on, they would always bring natural remedies and then flash forward, right? As they got older and more entrenched in the American system and in the medical system, you'd call and be like, oh, I've got this chest cold. Oh, get some Mucinex, right? Like, I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I, what did the, what do the plants want me to do? You know, what, what's this other stuff? But slowly, little by little, it, it got taught out of them, right? The, the assimilation happened and we need to remember and, and the easiest way, right? This vessel can get clogged up with the energies, with the chemicals, with all of that. And the more, the closer we are to nature in, in the way that we live our life, and I'm not saying you gotta go live in the woods, right? But the more that we make time to recharge ourselves in nature, there are biological and energetic things that are happening that source us. And in our indigenous, you know, when we were in our tribal states, there was, you know, the, the one shaman, the one medicine person who, who held the space for the tribe. And we do need to move back to that where, you know, every family has a dreamer, every family has a medicine person, every family, every community has that because we've gotten so far, the pendulum has swung so far away from that and we're so out of balance and we could bring this beautiful integration back in the more of us that remember and the more of us that wake up. Mm, yes. Okay. So I'm curious now about certain earth elements. What does, what are the messages from rocks and stones? and lakes and rivers okay those are my uh, ones i want to know about and are they like similar because it's a stone and rock or is there a similar theme to certain messages or are they extremely diverse doesn't matter what type of earth element you're speaking about right so whenever you look at these different nature aspects let's call them they will have um like an overarching kind of theme to them right like so rocks for instance uh it's about patience with change over time right like they are the poster child for change because that little rock was once a part of a big mountain somewhere it's a piece of the earth that came off and is now a pebble in your driveway right so you've got that and then when you connect each rock itself depending on its 
composition, right? You've got this, we're going back to geology 101 here. You've got metamorphic rocks, you've got igneous rocks, you've got sedimentary rocks. So they've each gone through a different process to get to be the kind of rock that they are, right? Metamorphic, they come from volcanoes. That is a very active, masculine, fiery energy. And so when you're working with an uh, uh, igneous rock, you're going to feel I'm sorry, I meant igneous when I said fire and volcano. <laughs> My geo All the geology people are like holding their ears right now. But you feel that fiery energy and the harmonics that are being released, right? Every rock, whether it's a tiny little pebble all the way up to a big mountain, they are emitting these harmonic frequencies at regular intervals and they can be measured and they go out everywhere from inches to like, tens and twenties of feet out from there or more depending on the size of it and we can hook onto that energetic wave with our again our superpower of intention to put things out release things call things in so there's this different aspect with rocks and it's very much to do with frequencies and harmonics when you're looking at let's say a lake or a river, right? We're dealing primarily with the element of water, which, hello, water is life. It's We need that as the primary source on this planet for, for everything. And so you're going to have those energies that have to do with that element, right? If you study the four elements, so water is about flow. It's about emotions. It's about integration, uh, all of it's cleansing. It's all of those aspects. And then depending on, right, like we've got a lot of, lakes around here we've got a lot of rivers we've got smaller creeks they're gonna have then their own specific per personality for the lack of a better term right i know sometimes the natural realm is like oh you're doing your best in the translation <laughs> but we would it's we it's what we know so it's how we can best explain it but that flow right like it's always going to be about flow how's your flow is it, it are you stagnant are you dammed up are you you know is it rushing so fast and you're overwhelmed is there um an art a dance going on with what, how you're interacting with the energies in your life we can sit with them whether it's a rock whether it's a river a lake a waterfall and ask you know like what do you want to share with me today and sometimes it's just that peace, right? That they they impart with you. And it's not necessarily some big profound word, but sometimes they will come in with, you know, like you gotta, you gotta be in the flow more. You're gonna get beat up if you don't let yourself be in the flow. You're gonna wear yourself down. So each aspect of nature, depending on what it is, will have a basic kind of archetypical energy associated with it. And then you get into the nitty-gritty of it with that particular being. Would you say like rocks and stones because of their weight have anything to do with it, their messages too? Like, cause could it be like a grounding message more from rocks? It depends, right? Like I call them stones. Uh, the ones, you know, there's the rocks you can hold in your hands. Then there are rocks that you can like sit on, right? And the beauty of sitting on a rock, we're back to the harmonics again, but your tailbone, the end of your spinal cord, which is your source of information flow, right? It's your information superhighway, touches, connects in with that rock and that rock's energetic and harmonic field. And you can have a direct transfer of information through that, right? Versus, you know, like, I, well, I can't see them now because there is actually a snowstorm happening, but we've got these 14,000 foot peaks out here up behind the trees. And when I connect with one of those, right, I'm not going to, I can't, well, I could climb up there and sit on it, but I connect in a different way. And the energy that's coming from my connection with that mountain is going to feel different than one of the rocks I'm holding in my hand or I'm sitting on or standing on because your feet, the bottoms of your feet have receptors too. Right. You know, come to think of it, like, because I've really, if somebody says, do you communicate with nature in regards to trees, animals, I'd be like, yeah, but I wouldn't really like 100% be like, yeah, like I have conversations with them, communicate them through my five senses. I wouldn't have, that wouldn't come to my, my head. But realizing now, driving through the Rocky Mountains, looking at the majesticness of everything around me, it's kind of intimidating, actually. And um, having that feeling of that, like that energy of that epicness is a form of communication because it inspires that feeling within your body. 
It is. And then we fine tune it. One of my favorite things to do when I'm creating something, whether it's the book, whether it's a course, whether it's, you know, I'm in the listening about something in my life is, uh, you know, so we, we live in the Rocky Mountains and there's a lot of these valleys, right, where you've got mountains on both sides. Oh, my goodness. Right. Like talk about an energetic car wash of vibrations coming through to you. I always keep note cards with me when we're driving through because I get these huge waves of downloads and understanding. And the thing to remember, right, like you said it perfectly when you were saying, well, I, I, I do connect with them and I do and I don't and da, 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 all those pieces. But what it is, is our intuitive development cycle. It's not linear. It's not like on and off. It's circular, right? Like everything. It's, it's a spiral. And so we move from one-way communication, right? Where we're just in gratitude. Thank you, trees and rocks, uh, you know, for creating the soil and the air and the, you know, your beauty and, and all, of, all of the things that we get from the natural world into this place where it moves from that one-way into a two-way communication, right? Where sometimes they'll just reach out to you. In fact, there's there's a story in the book, uh, Tim the Tree, where this guy's in the park and he keeps hearing this guy. He hears a voice saying, "Hey, mate," you know, it's Australian, so of course the tree speaks like that, and he can't figure out where this is coming from. And finally, he's like, "Like me with Ruby, is, is that you?" And him and the tree start to have a communication. So he wasn't even trying, right? Like there are people like me who are out there putting my hands on the tree, trying to create that. And he was just open from his everyday life and the hard work that he was doing that he was able to. And it was like opportunistic. The tree said it tries with people all the time and it had only had one other experience, right? So all of a sudden you think about going in the forest and you're like, oh my goodness, all of this opportunity for connecting is here. Wow, that's a beautiful story. You know, um, I'm here in right now in the Yucatan, you know, there's a lot of ancient sites around here and I love going to ancient sites and most of them, I guess all of them really, unless it's like tree, like hut, huts, it's pretty much stone, you know? And yesterday I was at Iqbalam, which is a smaller site near Chichen Itza. And every time I go into these sites, I get like this sense of tranquility where there's just this reactory state of my consciousness completely neutralized. It's really, really weird. And um, I'm a skeptic at heart, but a healthy skeptic, you know, like, whereas when I feel this, I know this is real because I know that ultimately I'm, I have questioned the questioning, you know? So yes. I was there and I was with a few of my friends and we're talking about the frequency and energy. But now that we're having this conversation, I'm realizing that a lot of these ancient structures and a lot of these ceremonial places are holding the frequency Plus, they're fully made out of rock. Like, just the vibration that it could have, they must be very profound. They're like little batteries, right? Like, you know, like we we imprint things on our computers, right, on a disc. And then we can play it back later. It's the same thing with the rocks. I mean, whether it's a big structure, you know, like the pyramids, or whether it's a rock circle, our ancestors have been working with and creating using this they had an understanding that our science today is just barely scratching the surface of but with those rocks you can create either an amplification of a particular energy or you can create a shield right because there are all these other energies that we're um that are coming at us all the time and if you activate a particular stone circle or a stone setting, it can create a shield that allows us to come in and remember and allow that transformation to happen. Then you talk about, you know, like any of these sacred sites where that imprint, rocks are amazing at holding imprints. And so you have pilgrims coming, you know, over and over, these spiritual seekers coming in and taking from feeling, basking in that energy and re-imprinting it in as well and that's why and those sites were chosen for a reason it wasn't random like oh, i guess we'll do it here they were looking at the energetics of the land the yeah. interplay of all of the elements and it points to that spot and we know also right like even modern day um, churches are often built on top of sacred sites that go way 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 back so there is this harnessing of the energy that we're feeling when we're there and it allows us as humans to experience our transformation because we forget we're a forgetful bunch right and do you ever get messages of the history of a rock 
Yeah, it depends, right? Like it depends my intention when I go places. Uh, and sometimes it'll be kind of out of the blue. Other times I'll feel the misuse of certain sites where it's like, yeah, it was set into play in a particular way, but it has been abused or misused since then, right? Like, because anybody can use that frequency for whatever they want. And if they're misusing it, right, for, for their own gain at the detriment of others, whether it's the natural world or people, that's going to affect that. And I know there are energy workers all over the world that go to sacred sites to help clean up and restore that because that's the other thing, right? Like if you get someone, you know, like yourself who, you know, you've got your discernment there, you know how to discern between high and low vibrations. But if you get someone who's new and they don't know, they could be led astray by a, a, a weirdo kind of vibration that comes in and plays on their low vibrations. So it's important that we are discerning and aware of what our frequency is and what we're experiencing because we're such energetic sponges and, right. you know, like pick up everything all the time. And so it behooves us to understand what is truly coming from source and what is not. Sorry, we got a kitty cat visitor here. Yay. Today. <laughs> That's Sam. <laughs> Have to make an appearance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, I want to continue. I have a, another question on the stones and rocks because every time, you know, the more you say, the more information comes to me that I want to speak to you on. But let's take another moment here and show your book one more time and let everybody know that we are, Anna Maria has a book that's coming out. Remind me the launch date once more. It's uh, the 23rd. So it's just right around the corner here. We really wanted to make sure that it was in concert with uh, the natural realm and the spring equinox, right? Like, it's, it's great that it has my name, right? I'm really honored that it has my name and these contributing authors, but the truth is, this is nature's book. This was the voice of nature coming through. Uh, and that was my prayer and my intention every day when I was working on this, you know, I'd go out to the trees or the rocks or the medicine wheel, or my partner and I would go out to a river or something. And I would just say, I, I just want to share what you want to share, right? Like, it doesn't matter what I want to share. I want to share what you want to share. And the stories, you know, we have 20, 28, maybe even 30 uh, stories in here. If you include my two stories um, from these contributing authors about their experiences in the natural realm. And I feel like those also are the rivers, the lakes, the fairies, the trees, the rocks telling their stories through these individuals that were so wonderful to share their stories with us. So I feel like the, the whole book is nature speaking. And that last section of the book is all about simple, easy, practical practices that you, or exercises that you can do to begin to have these experiences yourself. Like I said, it's great that I can do it. It's great that the other authors could do it. But it's more important that everybody remembers how to do it for themselves, because that's true power. That's, that's, that is us being our infinite selves expressed as a human. We've just forgotten about it. We're very forgetful. <laughs> I know, right? So yes, and I love what you said, nature's book. That's awesome. That's a beautiful slogan. And this is a part of the Common Sentient series. It's the third book that's been released. There's quite a few more that are coming. It's a, basically spanning over two years. And it started coming out this year. And I'm actually interviewing all the speakers here, guys. So that's why we're here together. We're speaking about it right now, introducing you to all the amazing people that are going to be a part of it. And Anna Maria's book, you can find out more if you go to the description and in the comments area as well. I have that over there for you. So go ahead and take a look. And now my question for you that I want to, do you know about the stone circles in South Africa at all, in South Africa? Yeah, it's so interesting. They've been talked about, I can't remember uh, the name specifically, but they've been talked about like, oh, they were to hold cattle, right? Like, oh my goodness. Anybody who's worked with any kind of animal knows that those little rock circles, right, were not gonna hold in an animal of any sort, even if it's fallen apart over the years. That's one of those aspects where I'm talking about where they knew, they knew how to harness the yes. local energetics and to work in there. We don't know, right? Like we could probably go and spend some more time there and, and pay. And I've not visited them myself. I've, I've watched and read about them, but we, I, my belief on them 
just from the little tuning in that I've done is it's almost a series of um, energetic experiences that people would have depending on what was going on, right? Like I feel like there was a male circle uh, for the masculine, there was a feminine. I believe that there was one for, for the physical body, one for the mind, right? Like we totally don't give enough credence wow. to brain balance in our lives. Yeah. And they remind me a little bit of um, like the Dolomans and the rock enclosures that they're finding all over the planet, but the ones that are coming to my mind are in like Sardinia, uh, where you can feel the different vibration. And so people who go there, just like if you went to a crop circle, if you went to another rock circle, if you tune in, it's subtle. So you have to get quiet. You have to turn off all those other voices that are saying, pick me, pick me, pick me, and just get into your heart space. And when I say get into your heart space, use the life force energy of the element of air through your breath to drop you in that rhythmic breathing drops us in that heart space and activates that heart coherence, which creates the bridge to the quantum field, which is where everything that we want is. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so um, the foremost researcher of those stone circles, Michael Tellinger, who you know is a good friend and I've had, a, we've done like over 400 events, important ascension, live events, tours everywhere. And he's bought the stones with him. And um, a lot of things have happened. First of all, these stone circles are emanating frequencies in the gigahertz level, which isn't possible from any natural occurrence on Earth. And they seem to may possibly be over 200,000 years old, predating Homo sapiens on this planet, pre um, predating, um, you know, even the primitive evolution of humanity. So if you ever go to South Africa, let me know. I want you to meet Michael and go to the stone circles because I would be very curious to know what, you know, what kind of messages you get. Yeah, that would be phenomenal, you know, and, and the beauty is right. Like, it's so fun to go to sacred sites, right? Like it's just, it's empowering. It, it takes you to another level. I really believe that we're too fine tuning our frequencies every time we do that. And yet we don't have to do that, right? Like we're remembering you can work with four stones, you know, like you ask permission, do, do you want to work with me and get four stones that represent each of the four directions, either that you can put on your table that you see like a touchstone or that you sit or stand within that is going to start to create these same experiences for you right, right in your backyard. <laughs> yeah. We haven't even begun to talk about crystals and gems. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't even go that far into crystals and gems. Right. I, I cover them very, very briefly, but because nobody's talking about the rocks and the pebbles and the boulders yes. and the rock faces, but there it's the same, it's the same idea. There's different frequencies. You can use, you know, you can use obsidian to help shield or clear out um, negativity, right? Like as, as a human, we're getting bombarded with all of that. You can use uh, sandstone to help yourself clear out those low vibrations to be in the flow to bring in more of a feminine energy but who taught us this we didn't know right like we just we just learned what we learned or didn't learn right you know whenever i think about nature communicating i think about the lord of the rings series right and the trees how they got up how they were helping them and the elementals middle earth I really feel like that is based on some reality of a time when there were other types of hominoids on the planet, right? Whether they're pixies, dwarves, but also us communicating with the trees and everything. And that's really what we need to get back to so that we can understand how to live. I feel like Earth is like a test of how we can live in harmony with all species. Right. right. And, and as humans, we're having a hard time even getting along with each other. So, yeah. you know, like there are days, right? Like it's, oh my goodness, how are we ever going to be in harmony with the trees and the rocks when we can't even get along with our neighbor? But there's this opportunity for real transformation because the rocks, the trees, the landscapes, they speak about unity consciousness, right? Like I am that tree. I am that rock. That rock is me. And we're, that's why we can communicate, right? Like, cause we've got this neural network that is going on that is all connected. And the more that we remember this unity consciousness, we're gonna live differently. We're gonna live differently with each other. We're gonna live differently with the planet uh, than we've been doing. And it 
we're at this time where we have this opportunity and we're all excited, right? Like, oh, Ascension, but we forgot how much assembly was going to be required, right? Because <laughs> we have to dismantle these old systems, although a lot of them are just crumbling on their own anyway, but then we need to rebuild from, from this higher perspective. So mm -hmm. I know that it can feel like doom and gloom, but I get so much hope and hope is so pivotal for us to remember because we don't need all seven and a half billion people to remember. We need just a critical mass, a, mm -hmm. like 1%, right? Like that's not that much. And it's not about us going out and making everyone do it. It's about us tending to our own garden <laughs> within mm -hmm. our heart and getting in line with ourselves. And that ripples out like the water and the rocks and all of that. And we can make changes with that. And when people start to see that you're connecting and you're getting results in your life, right? Like they move from skeptic to tell me more about talking exactly. to a tree. <laughs> exactly. Could you share, maybe you shared a couple, but could you share maybe a couple more stories that really stood out to you from your book? Absolutely. You know, the trees, um, and it makes sense, right? Like they were my first real mentors uh, in a conscious way. Even though my first love was the animals, the trees really came through and the trees came through in so many different ways in these stories. Um, I'm thinking about one of the tree, uh, one of the stories called Erica's tree that talks about um, holding the space for humans and helping us heal from our heartbreak, right? And, and witnessing our experiences and how we can connect with the trees, again, to source us in that healing, to source us in coming back to our peace, because we don't like or agree with everything that goes on in our lives. And that's not the point, right? It's how are we going to show up, even though something tragic has happened, even though something unwanted has shown up in our life. And this, this amazing connection that we have possible with the natural realm is what can source us, right? Like there, there's, um, I'm also thinking about the story, uh, tr the Trinity tree and the tornado. And it talks about a few years back, there was a horrific tornado in Nashville. It went through and, and just decimated these very, very old neighborhoods. And in this particular story, the trees that all got uprooted, they actually took the hit for the humans that were living in that home. And the woman who lived in that home has a profound connection with the natural world. And when she came out of the basement and saw the whole neighborhood decimated and their house still standing, she heard from Trinity, the tree, that she they were holding the space. And it's like, you know, you think about the giving tree story and it's so moving, right? Like the trees give everything and we don't even give them a second thought sometimes. And I feel like the stories in here, they remind us that there's more going on and they invite us to have our own experience so that we have that visceral experience within us that we know right like the, the healthy skeptic is important to have but when you have an experience you know that you know that you know <laughs> and that's what we need to be having more people right i'm so happy that more people are getting out in nature and, and enjoying that but it's still a backdrop to most people and to shift it into an actual communion an actual conversation with that natural realm, that's where the magic happens, and that's where everything changes. Agree, hundred percent. Anna Maria, this beautiful, this conversation has been so incredibly beautiful, um, and thank you so much for everything you do and for bringing this to the forefront and helping bring this aspect of our conscious reality that we're in to the mainstream. So we're going to close out right now, but before we close out, do you want to share? Let's share your book one more time. Show it up there. Let everybody know. It's in the description, in the comments. And what are your closing thoughts? What, what kind of messages would you want to leave us with, including maybe messages from the natural world? Yeah, you know, the biggest message that came through to me from the trees and the animals was this piece about shifting from doing things to them, right? Like we do things to the natural world. We do things to animals but shifting from doing things to them to being in collaboration with them, right? Like even, you know, if you've got a piece of property or a piece of land, asking the land, what does it want 
right? Like we come in with all of our ideas and our plans and our blueprints. And we haven't asked the natural inhabitants of that space what they want. And my story about the medicine wheel in here talks about that, where the land trusted me enough to reveal that it had been a medicine wheel in the past and that it was time to bring it forward again and bring it out. And so when we come into our interactions with the natural world from a place of collaboration, instead, I'm going to get something from uh. this tree, this rock, that's a whole, again, intention, it's your superpower, it shifts everything. And it is what allows us to go from the mundane into the magical. Mm, beautifully said. Anna Maria, thank you so much. It's been so great talking to you. Really appreciate everything. Thank you. This is so fun. It's like energetic ping pong back and forth no. with us. I feel like we could talk forever. <laughs> I know, seriously, yeah. And I had a, like, we could really go for like a three hour show because there's so many different layers on this. We can talk about every single element, you know, and the messages yes. you're getting. But for everybody who wants to go deeper into this awareness, please do go check the book out. It's coming out on the 23rd of this month. And if you're watching this after the 23rd, and if you're on the Portal to Ascension podcast, you are watching it after the 23rd because we're like one week behind on that show. Go ahead and um, check out the link in the description. I'm going to share the screen really quick just to show you the website. And you can go ahead and click the link and you'll see this here. You'll also see the entire series of the books that are available. And this one is specifically for the nature one that has coming out again in a couple of days or has already come out if you're watching this later. Take a look at the video explaining it. And this is, this is really because what Anna Maria just said is about the collaboration with nature. But this book that's called Ascenting Series is also embodying that collaboratory nature, which is that, you know, um, we have the main speaker who is the is called the wisdom teacher, basically laying down the experiences and how this whole thing works. But then we have um, a bunch of individuals that have submitted their stories to really show you that this is a reality. And that is the purpose for this. Its purpose is to show the world that this material world isn't the only thing that exists. This material world is made out of the mystical realm and the mystical realm is now knocking at our door, wanting us to open it so that it can be integrated into our reality and we can live in harmony with earth. So that is what this book is about. And please do go ahead and check it out and support the series. And um, just to let everybody else know who's on the podcast, thank you so much for listening in, everybody on YouTube as well. We're going live every week now with different interviews, a lot of amazing people that are coming on um, onto these shows. Please do go ahead and support our podcast, Portal to Ascension Radio. It's on Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, a bunch of different platforms. And I'm attempting to grow that. We're at a, 160 episodes on there, guys. So if you're in your car and you see a YouTube video pop up, but you can't watch it, but you want to listen to some of the... Uh, amazing presenters we have just go ahead and download any um, podcast app and check out the portal to ascension radio show on there and leave us a review because when you leave reviews on there that actually helps us get to more and more people so really trying to grow that so again that's it for now everybody love you all so much thank you once again for being here and we'll be seeing you very very soon so have a beautiful rest of your day bye everybody thank you Anna Maria